This is the Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark, and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Gently Mad episode 58. It's a beautiful Monday morning in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I'm recording this. It's a big week. Actually, last week was a big week. Found out that I'm having another girl. My wife is having the girl, but it will be my girl as well because I contributed a little bit. Anyway, so that's three girls in this family. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to keep going or not because I have a feeling it will continue being girls. That's, that would not be a reason to not keep going because I like having girls. I honestly, uh, the girls wanted a boy because they thought it would be cool to have a little brother. But I was kind of hoping for another girl because I, I'm used to girls. I know I know what to do. I don't really know what I would do with a boy or what that would be like. And, uh, of course, it is it is going to be a little bit stressful in a few years when they're all teenagers. And uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not so much looking forward to that time. But this time, the age where they're at right now, 7-6, is just perfect. Wish it could stay like this much longer than it will. But, uh, yeah, so I announced the fact that we were having another kid on this show um, a couple months ago, and we just found out last week that it's going to be a girl. So we're pretty excited about that. N- now comes the name, the name hunting. So I- I'm not sure exactly what we'll come up with yet, but uh, I-, I want it to be... Uh, I-, I like picking names because... Well, I won't, I won't get off on that whole tangent because I'm going to offend some people if I do. I just think it's a lot, of na- a lot of names today are weird, okay? People just make, especially celebrities, it seems like, just the weirdest names, okay? And that, that kid is going to be burdened with that, at least until they're old enough to change it. And they probably won't change it. So, anyway, I don't know how I got off on all of that. I've got my friend Paul Jarvis on the show today. This is an episode that we recorded last November. So, it, it's been... It's been quite some time, obviously, and uh, it wasn't that I didn't want to release this one. It just kind of, uh, like I said, I don't have a schedule with releases. I just kind of put out what I feel like I want to put out that week of the episodes that I've recorded. And uh, I've got some news. This week is, after this week, I'm going to be taking a break from the Gently Mad podcast. And so there are two episodes that I really wanted to get out there before I took the break. And this is one of them with Paul Jarvis. So I'll tell you a little bit more about Paul in a second. I'm sure you already know, but, uh, yeah, so I'm taking a break after this week. I'm launching a new show, which I've been talking about for some time to go along with my course called irresistible podcasting. 
And the new show is also called Irresistible Podcasting. It'll be a daily short burst Q&A format uh, podcast about podcasting. <laughs> so lots of uh, podcasting, lots, lots of uh, using the word podcasting. But uh, I need to take a little time off of this show to kind of get that one off the ground. Obviously, a daily show is, is a whole different ballgame. I've, I've never done that before. And I just need a little break anyway, I think, from this show. And you've probably noticed the last few weeks have been, um, I don't feel like I've, I've been all, all, I don't know, something, something's been different. I haven't quite been all here, I think. Um, I've been getting a little bit burned out and I just need a break. You know, I love doing the Gently Mad and I always miss it when I don't do it. And so I'm going to take a break from it for, um, a month or two while I'm getting this new show off the ground. And then, uh, most likely I will come back to it. I'm not sure yet when or at what point or what it will look like, what I do, but I know that I really love talking to people and having these kinds of conversations, but I feel like in, in this round, um, the first iteration of the gently mad, I believe was about 60 episodes. This one is about 60 episodes. And I feel like I've talked to a lot of the people I wanted to talk to this time around. And I've had a lot of the conversations I wanted to have. And so it's time for a little break and I'm going to work on something else. And then when I'm feeling uh, excited and refreshed to come back to this, then I will. So that's what's going to happen. The new show kicks off on Friday and I'll talk a little bit about that on Friday's episode. So... Um, yeah, that, that's what I'm doing. If you're, if you want to, if you're on the list, if you're on the newsletter, then you will, you won't miss anything. Uh, I will tell you about everything that's going on. Uh, if you're not on the list, then that's the best way to find out this stuff is to go to avclark.com, get on the newsletter, and then you'll be in the know, as they say. Uh, if you're into podcasting and stuff, do check out uh, this Friday's episode of the Gently Mad because I'll be talking about the new show and a really cool launch bundle that I'm doing, uh, giving away a lot of cool stuff. So thank you so much to all of you who have, who have listened and supported this show since I launched it last December. It doesn't seem like it's been that long, really. I mean, it. what I meant to say is it hasn't been that long, but it seems like it's been a lot longer. I'd never done anything like this before, and it turned out to be really, really good. And, and that's only because you guys listen to it and you, you send me emails and, and you make it worthwhile. So this conversation with Paul, uh, if you don't know Paul, he is a uh, Canadian. He lives up on the Canadian West coast area. He calls himself a gentleman of adventure. He, um, he definitely, he, he's not, you know, he's a designer, web designer, developer guy, but not your typical web designer, developer guy. He lives out in the middle of nowhere out, uh, amongst nature and the animals <laughs> and um and he's just a really cool guy and we've become friends over the couple years that I've known him and um we recorded this conversation like I said last November it was one of the first ones I recorded for this new show and I just hadn't found the right time to release it yet and, and I'm glad I haven't because it's just I'm really happy that I'm releasing it this week as uh, one of the final episodes before uh, the Gently Mad takes a break. So I don't want to really spoil anything. He's a great guy. We talk about uh, 
being vegan. We talk about religion and uh, what we believe and how we think about the world. We get into all kinds of cool stuff in this conversation, the stuff that I really like to talk about, and he's a great one to talk about it with. So I'll be right back with that conversation with Paul in just a minute after this brief word from our sponsor. Jilly Matt is sponsored today by Harvest. Harvest is a business tool for time tracking, beautiful invoicing, and generating reports. I've used it for many years myself, and whether you're a freelancer or a large team, Harvest has you covered. I called up Danny Wen, one of the co-founders of Harvest, and issued him the 20-word challenge. Give me a Harvest in 20 words or less without any buzzwords or, you know, industry speak, if you will. <laughs> I'll try my best. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I've been doing this. But um, OK, so Harvest uh, at, at its core is a time tracking and invoicing and now time planning application. So uh, we help um, anyone in professional services, uh, people in consulting and design development, uh, really get a hold of their business, know where their time is going, and also bill for their time and get paid for it. So in a nutshell, that's that's kind of what we do. Cool, except that was like 100 words. So. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, it's been a while, man. That's okay, that's okay. <laughs> Okay, so maybe Harvest can't be summed up in 20 words, but it's an amazing tool, and it's probably the number one thing I could not live without in my business. If I had to cancel any of the handful of monthly services that I use, Harvest would be the last one to go. I love it, I use it almost every single day, and as a designer, it's a delight, an absolute delight to use. So go to getharvest.com and sign up. Your first month is already free, and you can get 50% off your second month by using the promo code TGM. Again, that's getharvest.com, and thanks to them for sponsoring The Gently Mad. this is it this is the time in the show when i start the conversation that i recorded with paul about six months ago uh it's a good one i hope you enjoy it i'll be back at the end to wrap things up so let's get to it here's my conversation with paul jarvis I'm in the middle of a huge Seinfeld kick, and I talked to you about that the last time. Is it? Do you watch that show at all? No. Have you ever watched that show? I think I've seen an episode or two. I don't really watch a ton of TV. Like, I haven't had a TV in 10 years. Yeah, well, we're, like, how old are you? I think we're about the same age, right? 37. Okay, so you're actually older than me. So you, um... I'm uh, older than everybody. I'm old man internet. I know. That's how I feel. Even at 34, <laughs> I'm usually the oldest one... Um, in my conversations here, but at that age, I guess, well, I guess the difference is that you're in Canada, but I don't know. Is there, is there really that much of a divide between, um, American TV and Canada? Oh, I mean, like, do, do you guys, I would have just, maybe this is just American arrogance, but I would have just assumed that, you know, 
like you guys watch American TV shows and we watch, you know, Canadian broadcasting stuff and or is it is it not that way? Um, no, it, from what I remember, it's all like all the big shows are American. And then there are some Canadian shows as well, which do some of them get syndicated over to uh, American TV. Yeah. But I think it's all pretty much the same. Like it's all the same American networks that sell the their syndication rights to Canada. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I watch all I watch all my stuff on Netflix and that's there's Canadian Netflix and American Netflix and those are markedly different. Like Canadian Netflix basically has nothing in it. Really? And then I need to connect to a VPN in the States to watch stuff on Netflix. Really? I didn't know that. So you don't have access to the same things then? No, Canadian copyright laws for internet for intellectual properties are very different. So a lot of the licensing and stuff just doesn't work here. Huh. So I just, I connect to an American, I think I pay like two bucks a month for an American VPN. So I just, I connect to that. I log into Netflix with my usual username and password and it shows me American stuff. It could so, be illegal. I don't know. I pay for Netflix, <laughs> so I don't think it is. So every time you want to watch Netflix, you have to, um, like change something. Well, you're, you're on your Wi-Fi, but you have to go, you have an extra step. You have to log into this VPN first, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So do you have it on like a, a TV, like Netflix on it? Like, do you have an Apple TV or something like that that you use? No, or is it just on your TV. computer? Yeah, it's just on the laptop or the um, okay. iMac. Yeah. So it wouldn't be as big of a pain as if it was on a TV and you were trying to uh, use an Apple TV and, and somehow connect to this VPN or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's way beyond my technical ability. Yeah, I know <laughs> mine too. I know, I'm like in this technical space and everyone just assumes that I um, would know anything that has to do with technology and I'm actually pretty te- technologically illiterate you know when it comes to fixing things or if something doesn't work the way it's supposed to I don't know what to do so same people are always like oh you're in computers like yeah. no I'm not I don't know anything <laughs> about computers I know how to turn mine on and I know how to write code and draw stuff in them exactly yeah. past that I actually did tech support for a few years in my like teens and 20s yeah me too yeah. That was back when computers were very different and it was like Windows 98 or mm-hmm. Windows 2000 or something like that. Who did you but, work for? Who did you work for when you did that? <laughs> I worked for a meat company, which is hilarious now, but Yeah, yeah that is a, the biggest meat manufacturer in Canada. <laughs> Wow, that is kind of odd. Yeah, but you're and now not I'm vegan, go figure. I know, but but we've talked about it before though. You're not vegan out of like well, maybe, I don't know if it's changed, but at the time you were like, it's not evil to eat meat. You just don't like it. Is that, if I understand correctly, that's kind of where you are or, or is it, is it more out of principle? Um, it's sort of both. And I think a lot of things are personal decisions. So for me, I don't feel I have the right to take another life. So I don't, if somebody else feels that they have that right, I think every, and it's selfish, but I don't think self, and I was having this conversation with my wife last night, I don't think all selfishness all selfishness is wrong. Yeah. So I'm selfish in other ways and I'm okay. I'm totally okay with that. I think Mm -hmm. it's selfish to do a lot of things that people I know do. I'm not really going to judge that because people can do pretty much whatever they want and they're going to anyways. So it's like my life would kind of, I would have to spend too much time thinking about what other people are doing. Yeah. To judge them on that, so I just, I, <laughs> I just don't give a shit. <laughs> it's too, it's it takes too much energy. Would you ever eat meat under any circumstances? Yeah, there's no circumstance in which I would eat meat. 
Like okay. there's, there's absolutely nothing that could happen. And people are always like, oh, well, what if this and this and this, like you're stranded on a desert island and there's only monkeys and not coconuts and the monkeys are very slow <laughs> and they kill themselves in front of you. It's like, yeah, yeah fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> That's my answer more than like, yeah, maybe I would. But yeah, it is kind of, for me personally, it is kind of a principle thing. Okay. Yeah. But I, I know that everybody has different principles. Yeah. So I think it's wrong, but I don't, it's somebody else. It's just like if people. Okay. Well, that's, are, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Cause I know plenty, I know some people who are vegetarians or, or vegans, but it's not like a moral thing. It's just like a, um, it's a health thing or it's a phase and sometimes they eat meat, but 99% of the time they don't, you know, it's, it's more of just like a, they just prefer it. You know what I mean? Vegan ish. Yeah. yeah. No, I definitely, there's no circumstance. And it's, for me, it is kind of a principle thing. Like I said, it's, but as well, it is health. Like a lot of, I noticed my health got a lot better when I stopped eating meat. That's like, really interesting. Yeah. Maybe I will stick with this. Yeah. Okay. Well then, the, yeah, it is very ironic that you were, so the meat company, it was, you were just doing like internal tech support for them. I'm trying to think of a situation in which a meat company, when you say meat company, I think of like, the butcher that I went to when I was a kid with my grandfather, you know, to get, you know, my grandfather had a farm with cattle and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. um, that's yeah, what no, I, this was like an industrialized, this was like an industrialized butcher, yeah. <laughs> like factory farm kind of thing. So, yeah. well, here's the thing though, right? Like I would, like I do web design. So I wouldn't, if a butcher wanted to hire me to do web design, I would say no. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't want to support that. But if somebody hires me that eats meat, I'm going to take on the project. Right. Because it's not like it's such a weird gray area mm-hmm. of like where you need to kind of make a stand. So I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't work with somebody that just that kills animals for a living. Yeah. But if somebody that eats animals hires me, then I'm, I, I don't have a problem with that. So, yeah, well, it's kind of the same way. Like I, I've gotten plenty of offers to build for a lot of money, like these big porn networks, you know, I don't, he probably got yeah, those offers same. too. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't take on those projects just because I don't, I don't know. I just would feel it would just, I don't know. I, just, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable making that kind of website, but if I didn't work, take on projects from anyone that looked at porn, well then I wouldn't have any work at all. So it's like, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's similar meat, you know, it's, it's all meat. Right. But <laughs> no. Um, anyway, no, that, so the, the, with the, thing with tech support was that so were you already like a vegetarian or did you already feel this way then at that point um no no but i've never eaten like i've always had an allergic reaction to red meat so i've never really eaten red meat but at that time yeah i wasn't vegan or vegetarian or vegetarian leaning even but after doing tech support for a meat company i kind of that was like the i think the first step even though i didn't go vegan or vegetarian right after but like fixing computers on a kill floor where you have to wear waders <laughs> yeah. and a and a raincoat because of blood kind of i don't know you kind of you kind of see things a little differently <laughs> yeah definitely when, that, when you have to do that possibly the, the worst tech support ever. You have yeah. to wear waiters because of blood <laughs> to fix a computer. That, that's what I'm trying to picture the situation that you were in. Like, I can't, you know, it wasn't a normal, like, I worked tech support for IBM when I was uh, eight, 18 to 22, I think. And, and I, you know, I was just in a call center in an office. So when you say tech support, it wasn't just like a call center. It was like you were you were employed by this company and you were going around fixing. Why, why was there a computer on like the kill floor, though, for example? You know what I mean? It, it's all industrialized. So it's all run by computers. So everything like conveyor belt, oh, everything. Okay. It was actually all run by um, 
trying to remember the names of them. They were IBM mainframes, and you need to do, I needed to do a bit of programming for them. And every time they were upgraded, they would replace the front case, and they were these big black, probably about six feet tall and two feet across IBM mainframes. I'm yeah. trying to remember AS four hundreds. Yeah, I, they, I, I supported those. I did tech yeah, support for those. This would have been wanted. like this would have been like 1998 through 2002, probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And every time they replaced the hardware, they would replace the front case, and I would keep those cases because if you put two about four feet across and put planks across them, you'd have wicked shelves that cost almost no money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but so that is just so interesting though, because like that kind that kind of company, like it wasn't like um, so you were essentially like a system administrator type of guy yeah yeah system admin and like level two support so i wasn't like just answering the phone and helping people like open microsoft word i was like when they went through level one and needed to get more tech support or it wasn't what the level ones could could figure out then they would call uh like me and my team of okay. nerds but you were employed by, and you weren't employed by um, like an outside company. You were employed by this. No, meat it was company. all internal. Yeah. Okay. And internal basically yeah. means that they can call. Everybody that calls can just sit there and yell, right? Because it's like <laughs> it, it's not like you're not their customer. They're not your customer. You all work for the same company. They think it's your fault every time a computer breaks. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. But so, what would happen if a computer broke in that situation? Would that affect like the the like? The, like you said, the the line, like the process of, of getting stuff packaged up and getting the meat, you know, whatever. I mean, would it affect that stuff or is it just like executives or people who, like you said, their, their computers, it's just too slow or, or Internet Explorer crashed? You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of both. And it wasn't just like Internet Explorer crashed. It was like something really bad happened on the computer or something yeah. really bad happened on like the AS400 mainframe and then production stops and then everybody's calling and screaming. But level two tech support was also level one tech support depending on how high up you were in the company. Mm-hmm. So top execs would just call level two tech support with like Internet Explorer crashed. It's like, yeah. why are you calling level one? It's like, I am too important for that. <laughs> so it, it nice. was a bit of that too, just because the executives got special treatment for some reason that's real man that's crazy i didn't know that you did that so was that um i'm sure if that was like your late teens like you you had jobs before that or was that kind of like one of your first jobs um that was yeah that was my first like computer job before that i was a veterinary assistant at a vet clinic like all through high school so for four or five years i worked at a vet clinic and then okay. after that, I've almost always kind of worked with animals. I was about to say, there's <laughs> this animal theme through, <laughs> Yeah, you know, what, so why is that though? It's like when you were a kid, did you, I don't know, did you want to be a vet or did you, did you have some sort of, like you just always liked animals or was, no. it, was it just circumstance that that happened? Yeah. My buddy worked there that I went to school with and he was like, Hey, do you want a job here? It's better than McDonald's. And I was like, yeah, if it's better than McDonald's, I guess that sounds okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so how did you, um, how did you, so how did the whole thing happen then? Cause like, I'm really interested in that, in that kind of stuff. Like the, I don't know, just, um, you could quote, call it deeper or not, but just like how people live their lives and why they, why they do it that way. So, so how did the whole, you know, if you weren't raised, I find that most people kind of tend to just live the way that they were raised, whether consciously or unconsciously. You know, it's just kind yeah. of you continue on whatever your parents, whatever kind of morals your parents pass down to you is kind of what you 
what you continue with. But, you know, if you weren't raised with, you know, in like a vegetarian or vegan household, you know, how did you come to that place where you felt like this is a, you know, a decision that you had to make because, you know, of what you believed? Yeah. And I think I definitely agree. Typically it's, it's that way, but, um, I don't know. I think for me, it was a series of small decisions that looking back, it's like, cause I didn't intend to be vegan. Yeah. I just realized after about a year, like, Oh, I haven't been eating Derek says vegetarian before that most people don't just go like omni to vegan they go like (laughs) veg is a stepping stone so I was veg for a while and then I realized like oh I haven't I was reacting to uh dairy products anyways so I cut them out and then after Uh, a year it's like I guess I'm vegan (laughs) yeah and it's like oh I guess that that will stick yeah so but I mean what 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 brought you like you said that that is just kind of you know that could happen to anyone if they had certain allergies or whatever. But, you know, what was it working for that company? You know, what brought you to the place where you felt like, you know, for you, you felt like it was wrong to do this. And and so it was a it was a principled, you know, choice and not just a well, I'm allergic to dairy. And that's why I don't. Otherwise, I'd be drinking it or consuming it, you know? Yeah. And I think that was probably the first thing. And that was just like, OK, well, I'm, I react to it, so I'm not going to do it. And then. In doing that, it made me like question deeper. And at the time, I was studying a lot of like um, like yogic, like Eastern philosophy stuff. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. came across something called ahimsa, which is do no harm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of vegans apply that the principle of do no harm. And it's all like Gandhi was a big believer in that, obviously as well. But like they apply that to living things. So, and not having the right to do harm to another person, physically, emotionally, whatever, applies to animals as well, because they're living beings as well. So I started to think like, okay, I'm kind of making that connection. My wife was already vegetarian at the time too. And we both kind of, I think she went vegan a little bit before me, but we were both kind of on our own paths towards that sort of together and sort of like she came at it from a different side and I came at it from a different side, but we both ended up at this kind of the same conclusion. And then it just, yeah, the more that I kind of reflected on it, the more I kind of realized like this, this kind of aligns with the the values that I have of not harming anybody. And it kind of does relate to like growing up, like your parents teach you the same, like I grew up in a Catholic house. So like you're, you learn from your parents and from was it like really strong was it just you know like as I, I grew up in, well in a protestant household but it was like a hardcore conservative you know i mean like most half the people in america would say um oh yeah i'm a christian or i grew up in a christian home but it's it's not there's a difference between that and like when you grow up in the kind of house where you go to church four times a week and it's like a serious like your parents are devout in other words yeah. was was that your experience or was it more mainline more kind of like you know christmas easter kind of stuff no we definitely like we went to church every sunday i went okay, to yeah. catholic school from start to finish of my education oh, but okay. my dad's also british so he's not any so he's not, he's nothing he's not religious at all but my mom is she even worked for a christian charity okay growing up so there was definitely like a a big religious fact like factor but it wasn't like uh i guess the way that i don't know it's a it's i can't believe we're talking about religion but like (laughs) it seems like in america there's like one extra step like it kind of like the religion kind of bleeds over into all aspects of life and i don't think that's wrong or that's right that's just the way that it kind of seems from the outside not being american is that 
when you're Christian, that kind of that kind of like applies to everything. And I think Christians are like, that's that, that happens for a reason. Right. And yeah. So but in Canada, or at least where I grew up, it was kind of that was part of it. Like there was definitely a big like religious element to it, but it wasn't like it didn't bleed over into everything. Like we were religious and we tried to live by the teachings that we were taught and we all went to church every weekend and that, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, I guess as overt a presence through everything else. Yeah. It was just kind of something we did. And then we went about our normal lives and then we did that and we tried to live to the teachings, but it wasn't like present all the time kind of thing. Yeah. So how many, you say we, uh, are you an only child? Do you have siblings? No, I have, I have siblings. I have a younger sister and some uh, half sisters. Okay. So are they, did they all kind of follow your path? Like once you grew up and, and kind of went to college or not or, or whatever, basically when you moved out of your, your parents' house and kind of started your own life, um, did any of them carry on with that or like you kind of just uh, discover for yourself what you believed or didn't believe? Yeah, my sister, she still lives like in the same area as my parents. She still she takes her kids to church every weekend kind of thing. So mm. she's still kind of carried on that and is still to, like I grew up in the burbs, like middle class suburbs, like yeah. pretty much the stereotypical life. And my sister is pretty much the same thing. Like she's a teacher, she has her kids, she has the same house pretty much as my parents and does the same stuff whereas I kind of like completely fucked off to the west coast became a hippie <laughs> yeah <laughs> live in a commune right you really lived in a commune <laughs> no that would be that would, well i have a lot of rats in the room and it's kind yeah. of they live they live in a commune i guess i think there would okay i might be crazy but i think there would be something very in, well i guess it depends how you define commune but i've always thought like um a, a type of um i don't know how to describe it like i spent in, when I was in college, I spent six months in uh, the Middle East. It was supposed to be a semester abroad. It was supposed to, so it was only supposed to be three and a half months, but it was like, it was right in 2000. When was it? Yeah. So after tech support, after that IBM phase, I decided I wanted to go to college. And, mm-hmm. and so I went and so this would have been 2003. I don't remember. It was right when the first, well, not the first, but it's when that when the Bush, the second Bush Iraq war started. So I was there when that started. So, you know, you couldn't like all the airports were locked down and everything. So we ended up staying for like six months instead of the normal semester. But um, all that to say, um, we, we lived, we stayed on a, on a kibbutz, which is, it's, it's a communal type of living basically. And I've always thought that would be really interesting and fun to, there's part of me that's like, that would be a really interesting way to live. And another part of me that uh, so much values my um, alone time and space that I think that'd be a terrible way to live. But <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I could go either way on it, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and I think there's definitely, like, it's too bad that the hippies kind of have the uh, monopoly on communes because I think a lot of, like, small community living and, like, everybody kind of has their autonomy, but everybody has their specific role in the community to make it better seems like like in general that kind of sounds like a good idea i'm not really into like drum circles or birkenstocks yeah. but <laughs> the whole everybody because community it's, it's like 
that's kind of lacking. Like that's why yeah. we turn to social media or watching endless hours of TV or whatever like that. Like we want connection more than our society provides for us right now. Well, I so feel like, I think, yeah, that, that's what has, those times are when I felt like my life had a lot of meaning. I don't know. It's weird, but just, uh, when you're in that community and you've got people around you and, like just for example, when you get married and you have kids and stuff, that's a very tough stage of life because there, mm-hmm. is, there isn't really a handbook. You're not really trained what to expect. I don't think it would be possible anyway to be prepared. But uh, when you do, for example, that's a really tough stage of life. And it'd be very interesting if you lived in a community like that. Where Well, and for a lot of people, that's what church is and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but you have those people around you to help you, you know, and to um, you know, sort of live life with um yeah that's that's the part of me that like i said sometimes i'm like man that'd be awesome and then other times i think yeah that would totally suck because i want i don't i want to just do whatever i want to do so yeah but uh but so you went off to the west coast and you were kind of just like i mean even in your on your website or somewhere you you call yourself a, a gentleman of adventure so <laughs> uh um like is that just tongue in cheek or like literally, you know, you just kind of um, went out and explored, essentially. Yeah, and that's that's my friend uh, Chris Brogan came up with that title for me. From nice. he saw something on Instagram, <laughs> but yeah, basically, I just kind of it is fairly tongue in cheek, like, um, but I think it kind of applies to the way that I kind of work, where I'm always kind of experimenting or exploring like boundaries of creativity or the services that I offer people or even just like getting out into nature and going for hikes kind yeah. of thing. So it kind of applies to everything, I think. And that, that's kind of why I kept the title. And I think I owe him 25 cents every time somebody says it. So oh, do you? I think okay. I owe him like almost a dollar for this call. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he will. I don't know if he's listening. He's, you know, uh, he he recorded an episode of the show, so maybe that can balance out for <laughs> you having to owe him anything for this interview. But uh, but yeah, so it, it's it's just very interesting to me because you did the tech support thing. It seems like almost everyone I know in the web world, you know, started mm-hmm. there or or has done that at some point. And you do design, but you also write and you write books, and they're not all just you know entrepreneurial books. Like you've got um, a vegan cookbook and, and, um, or maybe it's not a vegan cookbook, but it's a cookbook yeah. anyway. No, it's so a vegan cookbook. It is, okay. Yeah. So you've got like, it says plant based on it though, because vegan, I wanted people that weren't vegan to look at it and consider it. And using the word vegan kind of has bad connotations with it, like mm. preachy and stuff. So I just put plant based, but it is a vegan cookbook. Okay. Well, so, but yeah, but so you, you published a book about that and, um, you know, you just got all these different things going and uh, it's, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in the entrepreneurial space to, you know, pick something and, and become the sort of the expert in that thing and become known for that thing. And then you write books and you do webinars and you do all that stuff around that one thing, but you're still just kind of doing all these things. Um, or or are you, you know, have you kind of moved on and, and more focusing, like you've got a couple new courses, like for example, will you ever write about cooking again? You think? No, 
but no. I'm open to whatever. Like I kind of, I don't really care or give two shits about being an expert. Yeah. I like learning and then bringing people along for the ride. Yeah. Like that to me is a lot more interesting than like, I am the authority in this subject. I, yeah. I don't fucking care. Like that's just, <laughs> yeah. it seems boring. Like yeah. to be honest, it seems boring. And it, some people can do that and some people can focus on one specific thing and good on them because it's way easier. But yeah. I just, my brain just doesn't work that way. Like as soon as I learn something, I need to learn something else, something totally different, or I need to try something totally different. Otherwise I feel like my brain is just going to stagnate and shut off and I'll start drooling more than I do. I know. I, I totally get it. I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't, I don't know if it's boredom or what it is, but I'm exactly the same way. It's like, um, you know, I've played, you know, I was always very involved in music uh, when I was a kid and all through all the way up through the end of college and and even on but but up through college anyway it was you know i played a, a handful of different instruments you know um piano drums trumpet french horn you know different woodwinds and brass instruments and all this stuff and it was the same with computers or whatever it was like you know uh, something would be interesting to me and once i felt like i had learned enough about it like I'd figured basically I'd, I'd solved the problem you know I, I'd figured out enough about it where I felt like I had a grasp on it then I wasn't interested anymore you know and, and then it was to move on to the next thing to kind of figure out or figure out how that works you know and yeah that was the same with me for genres with music like I played in a metal band folk band acoustic band yeah. rock band <laughs> like I, I played almost every genre I could find just because it's like oh like I've done this and I can yeah. do something else. Well, as a career though, like I've had trouble with that though because it's it's difficult to um career-wise it's difficult to do that and and be able to make money because you know, you're not sticking with anything long enough to actually um become good uh, good enough at it uh to either or teach people or get clients and you know, uh that sort of thing if you're constantly moving on to something else. And I would say that's, I guess, the one area that you haven't done that in necessarily is you've been doing web design and development and marketing and that kind of stuff for a really long time, you know, and you haven't kind of moved on from that. Yeah. And I just kind of scale that back. Like I still, that is a good moneymaker for me. So I'm always going to be doing that to some degree, but I do that for enough time of the year. And then I take a break for sometimes six months and do other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, that's what I'm saying, though, is I think a lot of people struggle to get to that place where they could like, how do you take a break for six months, man? I mean, honestly, like, do you just (laughs) like because for me, when I do that, like I just finished doing that. And after taking a break of that long from client work, it's like starting all over again to get the to get the client engine kind of rolling again. Why keep like, I don't know, I guess for me, it's I have such a backlog of um like people that want to work with me that they kind of book it six months in advance and somebody gives me a thousand bucks down payment they're probably going to show up for Mm -hmm. that project (laughs) yeah so yeah it's it's a matter of scheduling for me like i i do take that time off and it's not really like it's not time off like i'm not sitting on my couch watching tv eating coconut ice cream right (laughs) but i'm like working on stuff making courses making books or that sort of thing but yeah so i kind of keep and it's funny like i and i keep my income stream separate so all the stuff that i make for web design is separate from the stuff i make with books or courses so i can look at what I've made with my own personal projects and then end up taking more or less time off. Like if I don't make enough with courses or books then I'll do more web design kind yeah. of thing. 
So I can always kind of keep it separate and then balance it the way they need to balance it. Because with web design, it's I could turn that not that fire hose on as high or as low as possible because I have like there's a lot of people that want to work with me, which is pretty awesome. So well, it's almost if, like you you built a bit of you know you've kind of specialized in a way though. Like uh, you built totally. a bit of a reputation with a certain type of client. And if you, if you look at your, you don't have a typical portfolio with, you know, lots of images and everything. You just kind of <laughs> list some of the, yeah, some of the people that you've worked with and you tend to work with a lot of, um, you know, authors and, you know, content creators. And was that intentional? Did you intentionally say, I'm going to kind of focus in on this specific group of people so you could build that kind of business or or how did that happen? Yeah, so I always think that focus and audience is really, really, really important because it's hard to like just, I just want to work with people that want websites. Like, where, where do you find people yeah. that want websites? Whereas <laughs> if it's like, well, I work with people who do all of their business on the internet, create a whole lot of content, and are big on building communities because A, those are the type of people I want to work with, and B, those are the type of people that value my services the most. If all they do is online business, then they know how important that is, and they're willing to pay like top dollar for it. They're willing to listen to what I have to say because that's that's how they make their money. Mm -hmm. So yeah, with that focus, and then you become known as like, that guy in that industry or that girl in that industry that that does good work and people you don't really have to sell yourself at that point it's more just like people come to you because they know you're that person in that industry and then it's just a matter of seeing like okay do timelines meet up do budgets meet up like let's work together kind of thing yeah yeah so was that an intentional choice before you started uh working or did it just evolve into that and you made that you kind of made that decision out of discovery later on yeah, no, that's always been. And it started out unintentionally because when I started, I was working with uh, pro sports athletes mm -hmm. and like that was pretty much all I did. So that was my first like niche focus. And that was just because those were the type of clients I was working with at the agency that I worked for for a little bit. So but then I realized like working with pro sports people is cool for somebody, but I hate sports. So it's kind of <laughs> <I don't, laughs> we're so we're so, we're so much care. alike except for the vegan stuff. But other than that, I mean, I feel like we're a lot of we're a lot alike. Um, yeah, I don't I don't care about that stuff either. But it's like uh, I I guess what I'm asking is uh, I, I feel like I really resonate with the you know I'm I wouldn't say I'm a gentleman of adventure because I'm a, I'm a complete homebody and really don't ever leave the house unless I have to. But <laughs> um, but I am very much. Um, I don't know how to put it. Uh, my favorite thing is learning, honestly. Like when yeah. I was in college, I if I, I knew even then, if I could figure out a way to be a career student, I would, you know, mm -hmm. because, and that's why I never actually got a degree was because, you know, um, one semester I'd be interested in a certain topic and I would just load up with classes on that topic. And then the next semester it was a different topic. And so by the end of four years, I, you know, nothing amounted to any kind of, you know, understandable degree because it was yeah. just scattered all over the place and so you know if you're a person like that who just really I guess enjoys mostly um, exploring things and figuring out things and thinking about things um, I find it very difficult to uh, maybe contentment is not the right word but for example um, after two or three years in a particular career I'm I'm just done with it pretty much, mm -hmm. you know, feel very bored and it's right. And that's why I've had like half a dozen different careers in my life too. So yeah. how do you, 
how have you managed to stick with something, you know, given that you're, you're that way as well, you know, for a long time and not just get really bored with it? Yeah. And I think it comes down to the creativity aspect of it. Cause anything that I do that doesn't involve creativity, I get bored of and want to quit pretty quick. Yeah. But with the website stuff, like it's always like a different client with a different audience with a different like problem that they need solved. So like I always have to put on my creative thinking cap to kind of figure it out. But then the other thing is I take breaks. So when at the end of like doing six or 10 months of web design, I'm sick of it. I don't want to do it anymore. So I take a break. I work on my own shit. And then after a while, I think like, okay, well, I kind of miss web design. I kind of miss helping clients solve the problems that they have with their web presence. And then I want to go back to it. So then I do. So I think the fact that, and before I was doing side projects, I was just like traveling. (laughs) I take three, four months off and like just go travel with my wife. So it's kind of like always, I think the taking breaks and I think it's weird because in North America, like I think you get like two weeks off to start at jobs and like, yeah, I, I don't understand it. Like I don't, and it's not even like an egotistical thing. Like, Oh, I take more than two weeks off. It's like, I don't understand <laughs> how you could like figure stuff out or take a long enough break with two weeks. Like I don't, it doesn't, I guess cause I've never worked for somebody or I haven't for so long that I don't really get it. Like I need to take months off in order to figure stuff out. And that's kind of what it's like in Europe. Like in Europe, you don't get two weeks off vacation for, from jobs. You get way more than that. Yeah. So I feel like the fact, like space is required. Like right now I'm taking a break from social media and my newsletter just because I need space. I need to figure stuff out. I need a break. And most of the time when I take a break from stuff, I miss it. It's like absence makes the heart grow fonder, some hippie shit. Like I need to take breaks to reevaluate and then to realize what I have to, so when I go back to it, I appreciate it as much. Totally. I think it's just hard to, you're right about, you know the american mindset is 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 very much um is is very much that way but especially as a self-employed person i mean you know what it's like um well you've been doing it for a long time and you've built you know this this kind of engine uh for yourself but i've i've always been not always but most of the time um being self-employed it's it's like you're constantly you know, uh, if you're not actually doing work, you're constantly finding work. You know, it's, it's like you're either, you're either actually doing the work or you're finding clients or selling clients or, you know, doing all that other business stuff. And it's kind of like the, the thought of being able to take a, just decide, okay, I'm just going to stop for a few months and take a break because I'm getting burned out is almost unimaginable because it's like, you know, um, uh, like once, like I said, once you do that, it's very difficult to, get that ball rolling again, you know, and maybe it has to do with like how you, how you specialized or some particular business things that you've done that allow you to, uh, take breaks and still come back to like a full plate of clients who are, are happy to wait, you know? Yeah. And it's not like I'm taking a a break and I'm just not answering emails or anything like that. Like if people want to work with me, then I'm like, okay, get in touch with me then. I'm I'm more than happy to talk to you then. Yeah. And then it builds a bit of anticipation. Like, oh, I got to, like I, if I'm if I'm going to wait for this guy to do my website, then I know I'm talking to him on this date, and then we can get the project started, kind of thing. So yeah. I tend to actually start doing business development a few weeks before I get back to client work, just so I can get the ball rolling, and I don't start any projects then. But I start yeah. talking to people then, so then when the the client work starts, then I I, I actually have work to do. Yeah, yeah. So 
And I'm curious about this too. I mean, you write books, you've got several, you make courses, you've got a podcast. Um, have you ever thought about just doing that stuff full time? Um, you know, it seems like a lot of people, that's kind of their dream is to eventually, you know, get away from client work and either make products or have a content based business. Um, and it doesn't sound like, it sounds like you just kind of like keeping everything mixed together. Yeah, because I like my clients. I pick clients that I actually want to work with. I think a lot of freelancers end up hating their clients because they don't know how to work with clients. Yeah. (laughs) I think you're right, yeah. Because a lot of, like, every every web designer is like, oh, my client asked for this stupid thing. My client, like, wants a logo bigger. It's like, well, did you tell them why that was wrong? Have Have you spent any time teaching them what good or effective feedback is versus not effective feedback is? Yeah. It's like, no, no. I was like, well, if, if you're not if you're not setting boundaries or making it clear how projects work in their best interest, then the end result is going to be shit. Like, you're not going to be happy. You're going to be pissed off at your clients. Yeah. And I think most freelancers that are pissed off at their clients don't spend enough time teaching their clients how the project should actually go. I think it's as simple as that. So I like my I like my clients. I like <laughs> I like working with the people that hire me. Yeah. Well, and so that's that's why you're not planning to stop doing client work is. Um is uh, well that's what that was the question like do you, yeah. do you, do you ever foresee a, a future where you wouldn't do client work and you would focus on your books and your courses and like the teaching side of your career probably not like i don't i don't really make plans or goals or anything but like i can't really see that happening like i like doing client work like i like helping people i like having enough time to help people really solve their problems like i do a lot of one-off consulting with people and it's great but it's only like 45 minute calls so I can help them with what's currently going on yeah. but then I don't there's no real accountability other than like let me know how you've implemented these things and what changes you've seen whereas with like client work if I'm working with a client for two months then my hand is kind of directing where things are going and then iterating on things that aren't going right and then getting yeah. to the final product so I'm not just waiting for them to say like oh yeah well I tried this or I didn't try this kind of thing I actually get to like help them try these things to see what's going to work and what isn't going to work. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I have no pro- I have no problems doing client work. Like I really enjoy it. So I don't really care about moving full time into like products or teaching or anything like that. Yeah. What do you like to, uh, when you're not doing this kind of stuff, like, what do you do? Like you said, you, you don't, you haven't had a TV for 10 years and I get that cause I haven't either since, uh, college really. Um, but are you a big reader? Um, I know you like to cook. You've talked about that. Like, you know, when you're mm-hmm. not doing client work, you're not thinking about business or writing about it because you do a lot of writing. You know, um, what do you do? Yeah, I definitely, well, I definitely do a lot of writing and work. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when I'm not, like, I just, I'm kind of a homebody too. Like, just hang out with my wife. I spend a lot of time with my pet rats. But then, like, we like to go for hikes. We like to go for drives. It's simple life, dude. Like, just yeah. simple simple things like Sundays we usually go find like a little coffee shop grab a coffee go for a walk kind of thing like we Mm -hmm. don't neither of us sometimes we go to music bingo but I don't know getting old don't really like being out at night (laughs) so if it's past nine o'clock it's so funny too like it's always like oh let's totally do this and then like it comes time to like get ready and it's like I don't know if I want to go but then if we do go out and do something it's like we have fun but it's like that just before going out it's like we enjoy no, just really staying want home, to. Yeah. so why are we doing this? But then if we go out and like, if it's music bingo or something, then it's like, we've had fun. No, but we, we the do the exact same, yeah, we do the yeah. exact same thing, but it's be more because 
by the time we've gotten like either my mom or the babysitter or someone, you know, we've gotten the kids taken care of. We're just like so tired at that point. It's like, do we really want, let's just stay at home, you know? <laughs> you know <it's laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Let's not so that, do that, anything. That tends to be what we end up doing. Yeah. Well, that's just, I, I, I don't know. I find it, I find it really interesting. You know, you've, um, one, another thing I wanted to ask you about was your whole, uh, newsletter and, you know, the, your website and stuff. Well, like I say, I feel like you're kind of in a couple different worlds. Like you're not exactly in the web world and, you know, um, in terms of, of, you know, all the conferencing and, and your website is not a typical designer's portfolio type of website and you're not writing about, you know, uh, WordPress or CSS or Photoshop tips or tricks or things like that. And yeah. you're also a little bit in this online business world. Um, and, and that tends to be more the kind of stuff you write about. And so, um, uh, how long have you been doing the newsletter? Like you state on your website and I've kind of stated the same thing on my website in different places that this isn't really a blog. It's basically just an archive of the newsletter, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, how long have you been doing that and why did you, you know, wh why do you take that approach and put so much emphasis on the newsletter instead of just a typical blog, you know, with comments and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, and I don't have comments because I don't care what people have to say right. about my right. Like it just, and it sounds so egotistical, but it's like if I had to listen to every single person's comment on something that I wrote, like I would rather people write articles of their own in reply instead of comments. So I don't have comments on my website. Well, like I, I specifically <laughs> didn't don't have comments because um, I feel like again, like the focus is the newsletter, and that's where I want the conversation yeah. to take place because I feel like people will respond. And we'll start a conversation about things that they would never put in a comment, you know, that yeah, is going to be public get... for everyone to read. And uh, I find that those conversations are so much, I don't know, they're just better than the kind of conversations you get with comments. But Yeah, and I, I get that as well. Like, I get people replying to my newsletter. But I've had the first question. I've had my newsletter for probably about two years now. I think I started it October two years ago. Yeah. And I just find that, like... <clears throat> had you been doing this... much writing before that? Um, yeah, I like think I'd written on the web? two books. Yeah, I'd written two books and done some writing. I mean, online. like blog, like article type writing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've been blogging since like 1996 on and off. But okay. like okay. for so, business yeah. writing, yeah, I've been, it was a bit before that. But really like from a business standpoint, newsletter is the best way to reach my audience. Like if I'm selling something, then I just need to tell my newsletter about it. And then I like it, it does all right for me because I spend so much time writing value for them. They reciprocate, yeah. which is the point, I think. Like I spend yeah. so much time writing for my newsletter. That's the most important thing for me, like every week, like because I write for a bunch of different other publications. My newsletter is the most important. Like if I can only do one article, it's for my newsletter, not for Ink or Fast Company or something like that. So yeah, I, mean, and I, don't think, that. I don't think people know. I mean, like you've told me in the past, you don't just you know, pump out an article like the night before, like you, you even have like a paid editor, you know, to edit your stuff. I mean, like yep. you take it pretty seriously, yeah. you know, which yeah, is I'm, more than a lot of people. I think, <laughs> yeah, that's not your typical newsletter writer is what I'm saying. Yeah. But as well, like I, I get like, if there's a typo, I get 200 emails telling me about the typo. Right. Like it costs me less than the long run to pay a copy editor, go through my stuff because sure. I'm not that good of a technical writer. Like I'm just, I'm not that good of a technical writer. Yeah. But so, so. when you, why did you start it? Is your newsletter audience the same as your, um, client, uh, web design client audience or are they different? 
Um, well, it, it is, but it's bigger. Like my web, like I only really need to work with about 20 at the most clients a year. I think all for web design, I think all of them are on my newsletter or yeah, actually I think all of them are on my newsletter. Okay. So they all read my newsletter and I think that's a good way for them to see if I'm a good fit for them. Like if they like my newsletter, if they don't mind that I occasionally say shit Right. <laughs> or something in my yeah. newsletter, then we're hopefully going to get along. And if they value the things that I say or agree with them or disagree with them in a constructive way, then that's, then <clears throat> there's probably going to be a good, like if they understand the way that I communicate, then that's the first step to having a good client relationship. Um, but yeah, the, but there's a lot of people on my newsletter that would never hire me for web design for whatever reason, but they just like my writing or the things I have to say, or they just like to hate me and they can keep track of what they hate about me every <laughs> yeah. Sunday, yeah. which is why there are definitely some people on my newsletter, but then I unsubscribe them if they actually tell me about that. Cause nice. I think it's ridiculous. But yeah, it's so fun. Like I unsubscribe so many people from a newsletter. Like if you send me an angry email, you're getting unsubscribed. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to go into my newsletter and take you off my list. Cause I'm yeah. not paying for you to, I pay a lot of money for my list is like almost $200 a month, not including like, that's just the MailChimp fees. Yeah. So it's like, if I can take, and I delete thousands of people off my list all the time, just because it's like, if you don't open my newsletters for like 10 in a row or something, then you're not getting any value from it. So yeah. why the fuck am I going to pay for you to be on my list? Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> so, think many people are in that, uh, uh, place yet though where they're having to actually uh, pay because uh, they don't have anything of that size but it I guess what's interesting to me is even one of your, your first businessy books was written for your clients you know and, yeah. and I think a lot of people you know we, we do our client work and then all the writing and all of that kind of stuff is aimed at our web peers you know because we want some sort of notice or a claim from them and yeah, so there are these two different though. right exactly <laughs> but but so it's it's all it's kind of segmented it's like all the newsletter all the writing all, all those efforts don't really help people's businesses because they're not aimed at their clients you know they're aimed at like i said their web friends so that we can all kind of pat each other on the back so yeah and i i made a conscious decision at the start of doing this type of writing that i don't care to be part of the like masturbatory web industry right. I can give two shits what web designers think of me none of them know who I am I don't care about awards I don't care about like accolades or anything like that in my industry what I care about is the clients that want to hire me or that find value in what I do or that find that I can help them in some way those are the type of people that I want to write for one because I they're interesting I'm not even friends with many web designers yeah. I, I, most web designers don't want to be friends with me conversely yeah. Oddly enough, but so the type of people that I actually enjoy the company of aren't isn't my industry. That I don't remember last. I think I went to a conference in maybe the early two thousands. That was the last time I went to any like industry thing. Mm -hmm. But as well, those are the I write for the type of people that buy my shit. Yeah, like it, it's like a, a business decision to some degree, but it's also like when I talk to my audience, it's like I actually enjoy having conversations with these people. So like I like them. They find value in what I do. They give me money for the things that I provide for them that are paid. Yeah. So it's like the best possible. It's the best possible. But it all world. it all works together, though. That's what I'm saying is that you know yeah. you're not you're not you're not necessarily hurting your client work or taking time away from that when you work on your writing and your newsletter and stuff like that because it's all the same. Um, it's not the exact same audience, but it, it overlaps anyway. Yeah, and there's a huge overlap. Like some people follow me just because I write about writing and self-publishing. Some people follow me because I have 
like freelance advice. Some people follow me because they work with, they hire me as a consultant or as a designer or something like that. So it's kind of, it's all, and some people, there are web designers that I don't mind that they're on my list, that they yeah. read my stuff and that try to make their, the, the way that they do web design uh, a bit different or something like that, or change like the, one of my latest articles that was mostly geared towards web designers was about onboarding clients. Mm-hmm. And a lot of web designers took from that and changed things up in their own web design practice to, to make their practice a bit better. So yeah. like I don't really I don't really like that's fine with me like I'm I'm happy to have those web designers on my list yeah but I'm not going to talk about web design all day kind of thing yeah definitely so are there things that you know being a gentleman of adventure I feel like I need a ding so that you can count up how many how much money you owe Chris Rogan but um <laughs> um given that you know are there are there other things you know in the in the in the near you know, future for you that you're, you're planning to do or try or explore or, um, you know, just, uh, you seem to live kind of that way, just liking to explore things, you know, do you, do you have, and I know you don't plan that far ahead, but you know what I'm saying? Like, do you, you know, uh, have anything, any plans coming up? Not a single one. Not a single one. Yeah. I've kind of, the way that I've kind of worked it is that I do, like right now I'm in a big client swing, like I'm doing a lot of, like I did just launch a course, but I launched it and then went back into client work. Mm -hmm. So right now I've got a ton of client work, but then come February, I'm finishing with that for a little bit. So in February, I'll start to explore and figure out what I want to do. But like, I've tried that before where I've had like a book idea and I'm like, okay, in two months, I'm going to start writing this specific book. And then the two months, it comes to that time when that is the present. And like, I don't really feel like doing that anymore. So now I just kind of like wait. And yeah. as soon as I can focus most of my efforts on something else, I start to figure out what that something else is. I don't really pre-plan. Otherwise, it's like I feel like I box myself into something that may have been a good idea at the time, but now is kind of like, eh, I don't really know. Yeah. So it's just, it's more a plan of like, um, like you said, of, of, of taking breaks and things like that. Like, you know, uh, in February, you're going to stop doing client work for a little while. You're not sure yet what you're going to focus on, but you'll have figured something out by then probably. Yeah. And even if it's just a matter of like the first few weeks of that break is figuring out what it is I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's cool, man. You've got, so you've got several, you've got your own podcast and you've got several courses, um, the, uh, the creative class course or the creative man, I'm screwing it all up. Yeah, that's it. That's creative it. class. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, that's a lot about what we've just been talking about, right? Yeah, it definitely is. Especially like the, um, the audience and, uh, niche stuff. I, I touch mm-hmm. on that quite a bit cause I think it's possibly one of the most important things with, uh, freelancing. Have you had good response to that? You know, I know it's, it hasn't been out too long, but I mean, has it been, you know, um, I feel like if you go to the website and check it out and that'll all be in the show notes, but if you, if you go check it out, it, it's, it's very much geared toward a lot of these questions, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. Um, have you, what has the response been to it? Really good. Like, so surprisingly good. I don't ever really have like a, well, I need to sell like a hundred units of this to make it worth my while kind yeah. of thing. I just kind of like, let's see if this works and iterate yeah. on it. But yeah, the response so far has been like phenomenal. Like I'm surprised, like looking at not just the sales numbers, cause that's important, but like the reason I made it was to, and the reason I made it a course and not a book is because I wanted 
like some level of interaction with the people taking it and mm-hmm. learning the material. And I feel like that's kind of happening. Like I do Q and A's and there's comments on every single lesson on the like online course bits. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's happening and I feel like I'm happy with where it's at. Like it's definitely not going to take over as my primary source of income, but it's made enough to show me that there's a need for this and to like, add stuff to it. Like I'm already working on two new lessons that I'm going to be adding to the course that people that have signed up for the course will just get for free. And then I'm doing, uh, I think a Q and a call this week, but I do Q and a calls with okay, the so every month. It's not, it's not the type of course that is just like, um, a bunch of, uh, videos or materials that you buy and download. It's a, um, like a, uh, uh, there's this ongoing community aspect to it. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, quite a bit of stuff that happens like, yeah, and that's kind of that's why I made it. So there would be that kind of happening, and there's accountability. Like I send emails, like um, I think thirty days, and then sixty days after with check-ins and specific questions and that sort of thing. So I kind of make it that like I want to keep following up, and I want to see what's working, what's not working, and then the new lessons that I'm adding are based on client feedback. It's not just like oh, I'm just going to make this lesson on this topic. It's like it's based on the feedback that I've got from the students who are taking the class yeah. and the questions that they have, I keep track of. And then the things that they want to learn, I keep track of. And then I use that to build out uh, new material. Have you found that it's mostly uh, like people like us, like a uh, web, web, web design development, freelancer kind of people, or are there just like writers or, you know, is there, is there a mix of other people in there too? Yeah, it's probably like 60% designers slash writers. And then the other 40% is like some coaches, some SEO people, some marketing people, some yoga teachers. So kind of like 60% is like the main group of people who I like the primary audience, like designers and writers that do business pretty much entirely online. And then the other bit is like whomever. (laughs) So it's, it's pretty cool. That is cool, man. Well, so to kind of wrap it up, um, I, I like to ask everyone this question because it's just very interesting to hear what people's different answers are. And you may not have actually thought about it in these terms, but is there a particular, um, how do I put it? Uh, is Do you think there's a particular personal habit or practice, you know, that you could, I don't know, look at and say, this is uh, definitely contributed to helping me accomplish what I've been able to accomplish. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and I think it's really just the the fact that I question everything, even things that I think I know. I still question those things. Yeah. So it comes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like we're both lifelong learners. Like I'm not, there's no reason to learn something and then just think you know it. Yeah. Like especially with web stuff, like you have to keep on top of learning. You have to keep on top of questioning the things you know to see if it's still right or yeah. see if it still applies or see if it still resonates. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is questioning everything kind of sucks. It's not easy. But, no, but it's, it's not. But it's important. It's interesting. That kind of ties in everything we just talked about, though. Everything from the yeah. <laughs> we started out talking about uh, um, what we eat and then we moved into religion and then we talked about business. And, and I can see that all the way through is is you constantly just questioning what you think and why you think it and and um and that you know affects that affects everything so i mean would you say that you are content like you're happy with your life and the way things are are working out or are you are there things you're 
you're trying actively trying to change yeah and i think (laughs) it's both i think i'm happy because i'm always actively trying to change things to make things (laughs) better yeah so the reason i'm content is because things are always being questioned and changing yeah (laughs) that's i mean I, i i i understand how that's that's sort of a i mean like you could I get what you're saying. Is what I'm trying to say. If if you don't get that, then it would, it could kind of sound like a non-answer. But yeah. but I definitely know what you mean. That it's it's kind of like um, happiness or contentment or whatever doesn't just doesn't just happen to you one day when you achieve the Amer or the Canadian dream, whatever the Canadian. I don't know what the Canadian dream is, but <laughs> it involves some more maple syrup, <laughs> more maple syrup and more uh, beer or something. But um, yeah, it doesn't just happen to you. You know, like you you choose to make it that way. You know, yeah. you, you choose, you choose to, every day is, uh, man, I don't want to end this way. Cause now it's getting all, now it's getting all, um, inspirational postery, but you, you, uh, you know, <laughs> now we're going to go live on a hippie commune exactly. and have a drum circle together. <laughs> I would never want to have a drum circle. I just think it would be, I always thought, <laughs> what if you had a house? It's like an apartment complex, but you know, what if, what if you had like a big house where you lived with several families. I mean, that was just kind of the idea, you know, like, you know, you've had friends, I'm sure that are that close where you feel like, you know, we could all, this was also when I lived in California and real estate is so freaking expensive. It was like, you know, let's all go in on this massive place and we'll all kind of live there. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, it'd be a weird thing now, I think. But at the time when I was like 24, it seemed like a cool way to, uh, uh, experiment. So, yeah. Anyway, so you are in, uh, you're on the West Coast. You're not like way out in the, like among the, 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 the mooses. What's the plural? The, the <laughs> moose? I don't know. Moose? I think I don't moose. Know. I th- well, it is moose. The plural <laughs> yeah. of moose is moose. Right. You're not out <laughs> among the moose anymore. You're in the city now, right? Uh, no, I'm about 30 minutes outside the city and then I'm moving a, an, another hour out of the city in a month. You are? Okay. Cause you used to be like way out there and then you moved in. And yeah, then, I'm closer. I used to be four hours out of the city. Now I'm 30 minutes, but now I'm moving another hour out of the city. So I'm fine. <laughs> We're slowly finding like the medium. So where? Why are you moving again? I just we rent now and we bought a place. It's just uh, oh yeah. okay, yeah. But uh, was there a particular attraction to the place? Like, I mean, you're choosing a place an hour away. So you know, is there something about that place? Like, just you know, better hiking or or you know, yeah. It's more, it's more in nature where we live now is kind of in nature. Like I live kind of in the woods on a mountain, but like, we're still like, there's still a subdivision here. Like there's still quite a few houses, whereas where we're moving to is kind of like the, the place that we're moving has one store, a general store. Yeah. That's the only thing in like a 30, 40 minute radius of that place is like one store. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of want to be out, but it still has high speed internet. So, I was so, gonna say, what are you gonna do with internet? That's uh, yeah. It's still when we live four hours outside of the city, I couldn't do Skype calls on video because yeah. the internet was so bad. But where we're moving to, the guy has an internet plan. The guy that currently owns the house has an internet plan one up for mine, so I know that the internet speed is is fine. Nice. That's really. I'm always so torn, man. There, there are times like yeah, we do the whole subdivision thing, and well, and part of it's too with kids. Like you know that that affects it too. It's a little bit more difficult to do something like that i think when you have kids who are in school and, and all that but like my grandparents had a farm it's about an hour north of where we live now 
Uh, we live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and my grandparents' farm is like up in the mountains, and it's that yeah. same way. It's just, you know, it, you're you're on a mountain surrounded by just hundreds of acres of farmland, you know, and um, I mean thousands of acres actually, and it's like so. Whenever I whenever I would drive up there and you get out of the car, like you're immediately struck by the silence. Like you don't realize just how much noise there is when you live in a subdivision or near a city and you get up yeah. there and you open the door and it's like it's it's in a way it's like it's it's deafening almost you're like it's just so quiet you know <laughs> and it's exactly. like but or it's you awesome hear, you know yeah or you hear like i have tinnitus in my ears so i just hear the ringing in my ears when it's silent but i still oh, actually man. like that more than uh, power tools yeah exactly but so there's part of me that's like oh i would love that life and then another part of me that thinks I would get bored, you know, because I, I just, you know, I go back and forth, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever figure out uh, what I'm supposed to do. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But well, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate you having me on. It's a fun talk. that's it that's the show thanks so much for listening thanks paul for coming on the show really appreciate it had a fun time talking and he and i talk all the time so it's it's special when we get to record it and and have a conversation like that as i said this is the last week of the gently mad before i take a break so i've got a couple more good episodes planned for you uh wednesday i'm gonna be talking to amy porterfield and it's a little bit different of an episode than I've ever done on this show. In fact, I think it's probably one of the most atypical episodes I've done on this show. So check back for that episode 59 with Amy Porterfield. And uh, as I said, if you want to stay up to date with what's going on when the show comes back, if it comes back, what's happening with the new show and all of that kind of stuff, then you can go to avclark.com and get on the newsletter. That's the best way to stay up to date and be in the know. All right, well, that's all I've got this week. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show throughout these last six months as I've been doing this experiment, and I've had a lot of fun, and it's all thanks to you guys, so it's much appreciated. Thank you very much. As I said, that's all I've got for this week, so thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. I don't know, I'm sort of just an old guy with a big tongue. That's I'm just a big old tongue old man. That's all that is. Um, that's sort of how many words am I at?